Okay, hi. Uh, welcome to Witch Twig's Bakewood Mystery Podcast, episode 20 of this run. It's pretty remarkable, I think. Um, so speaking of remarkable, this is the 20th episode, which is a great time if you haven't left a review to go ahead and leave a review. Um, I'm starting, I don't know, it's it's really good. I mean, I know people generally give a pitch for give reviews because uh, it helps people find you. And, like, that's maybe true. I don't know. Um, but it would be good to hear from people that like it. Uh, when I was earlier doing a pitch for uh, leaving a review, it was kind of shortly after I had said I didn't want white supremacists listening. And I was like, God, you know, I'm worried that uh, maybe those are the only people that are going to leave reviews. And that's what happened. So have a new review. And it's somebody... Uh, saying that I would be a great podcast, except I go on far-left SJW rants all the time. Um, which, I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess great. I've, I've made it. I got a one-star review because uh, I'm upset about this fascist churn my country's taking. Um, but it was also sort of nice. The last couple episodes, I haven't talked about the state of politics at all. And uh, I kind of live too much in fear that white supremacists are going to be comforted by my music. <laughs> so... Hey, got a one-star review um, that'll maybe keep people away from listening. So that is my request, is go leave a review if you like the podcast. Um, I would appreciate it. Um, I also, I bought a bunch of new crap. <laughs> so I've got a new microphone. Uh, I'm still kind of getting familiar with it. In theory, this is going to be better quality. I The last episode I did, I had a bunch of popping sounds I had to edit out, so I thought I'd get a screen, and then I thought I'd get a one of those scissor mic stands that I could put my Zoom on to record into, and next thing I knew, I had a credit on Henderson Limited because I was trying to get a new small pipe read, and they had microphones on sale, so I have a microphone and a scissor stand and all this cool stuff. But uh, listening back to my Ellen piping just then, there's clearly some buzzing that's going on that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to I could definitely have to adjust the microphone settings a little bit more to try to fix that. This is first time out with this kit. So tunes this week, we're doing a lot of Edward Bunting stuff. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, if you don't live in the Midwest or um, whatever, but in Iowa here, we just had a hell of a storm. Uh, a, basically, it's like hurricane force winds, except straight and no spinning, uh, and it just completely demolished my community. Um, a lot of my friends that live just about 15 miles north are still without power and probably going to be without power for another five to second, five to six days at this point. So that'll be two weeks without power, and we're due to have another storm uh, later today. So, yay! Uh, anyway, I was trying to think of tunes to play i was without power for a day or for about 12 hours so not a day but 12 hours really lucky considering how everybody else is doing and um my mom was without power for about as long and that was a little bit scarier because she's on you know battery power for her heart so it was a little scary but uh the power worked and the batteries worked and everything was fine um and the power came back for them about 4 a.m. and for us it came back at around midnight and then I didn't have internet for another day and I was kind of trying to figure out tunes to play and so I played uh, Rudyard Kipling's Oak and Ash and Thorn which is all about how you gotta you know live with oak and ash and thorn trees because those are trustworthy but most of the trees that blew down in Iowa City were oaks and ashes at least in my neighborhood but for me it was this mulberry tree this giant mulberry tree that was right on the back of our lovely screened-in porch um, it had some problems and knew they were going to be cutting it down, but the storm took care of that. Uh, it blew the half of the tree over and it completely destroyed our just lovely porch, which was, you know, one of the, the main reasons we chose this house that we just moved into. So it was a bit of a bummer. Um, hopefully our landlords are going to rebuild the porch. I'm not sure if that'll happen. Um, now, so we're four days out. They finally took the tree off that was kind of leaning against our house. Still have a branch on the ceiling. Still have a leak in the roof. Um, nobody's come to deal with that yet. And uh, I'm scared to and don't have a ladder also. <laughs> um, wouldn't Hasn't been a problem, but I, like I said, we're supposed to get another storm tonight. So we'll see how that goes. 
Anyway, so all this, I was trying to think of tunes about trees and storms, and I played Bonnie Portmore, uh, which was a tune I recorded years ago when I had no business recording um, Bill and Pipe stuff with uh, in a professional setting, but the, the local Bemidji Chorale was singing Bonnie Portmore, and they wanted me to play Illin Pipes with it. And it always kind of, I don't know, I, I was never crazy about it. The, the way that it's set, the setting of it is just so much lower than it should be or could be for Ellen piping because um, it, it takes advantage it uses a note it goes down to drops down to C um, low C and I can't I can't hit that note obviously um, anyway uh, wasn't crazy about it then but it's about you know trees getting destroyed and storms and there being no oak trees left in Ireland so I played that and uh, then kind of looking around and of course because everything is older than I think it is, uh, Bonnie Portmore is in Bunting. It's in Edward Bunting's 1840 collection, and more to the point, it's even though it's from the 1840 collections from the 1790s, because uh, he lists kind of where he gets his his tunes from in some of the volumes, and uh, so that got me thinking I should revisit Bunting. And then I looked at an image of Bunting for the first time, and he has in a lot of the the images of him or the paintings and engravings. He has these awesome glasses. I don't know. I just decided let's do another Bunting episode. Um, and as I was looking around through the first volume of Bunting, I kind of stumbled onto, uh, I wanted to do this tune called the, uh, have you seen my Valentine? And of course, uh, my kind (laughs) of the same fellow Simon Chadwick that has been working on that Edward Bunting project, uh, he had just posted it. So we're going to hear Simon Chadwick's take of Have You Seen My Valentine? and then my take on it on Illin Pipes. Um, and I wound up getting quite a few tunes out of Bunting. So we've got Have You Seen My Valentine, The Chanter's Tune, which is what we opened the podcast with, Chorus Jig, which is a reel, <laughs> and Bonnie Portmore. It's one of those tunes from Bunting. Um, and then from Neil Gow, uh, we're going to have Neil Gow's take of a tune called Drummond Castle. And from Donald MacDonald, we're going to have a tune called The Weary Maid. Uh, the Weary Maid is a cool little tune, and kind of looking through it, it's clearly got some much older uh, ancestors, and that's why we're doing Drummond Castle. Um, so that, and then um, one of the tunes that uh, Bunting did, the chorus jig. The chorus jig really sounded like a border pipe setting for me like the way that border pipes were played and so i decided to play a border pipe tune too so we're gonna do uh, a collection from william dixon's manuscript i don't know that there's a way that i can link to that um, but we'll talk about that more later so we're gonna play jack latin uh, a setting from william dixon kind of looking around uh jack latin is like that is a tune that is in all of these older collections so we're going to do that. Uh, and then also on Whistle, I'm just going to play Summertime, Summertime, or Huga Ma Fen, which is just, it's a tune playing uh, Have You Seen My Valentine. There's a couple um, tunes in there, or like melody segments that really reminded me of Summertime, Summertime. And so I posted it as a tune of the day saying, hey, what is this? I don't know to remember what it's called. And turns out, of course, Huga um, Moon Fen is a super old tune as well. Uh, James Oswald's Pocket Companion of Caledonian Music has like a super long, complicated take. So I don't know, we might revisit that. So that's that's a lot of tunes. So uh, let's get going. Like I said, we opened up with um, the Chanter's Tune. Uh, I hadn't heard it before. And when I first played it, I played it much slower than the recording you just heard. But there, I was kind of looking at Tune Archive. Uh, I saw that you know, there's other settings of it, and including one in Heather Clark's uh, Ellen Piping book, which is basically how I learned how to play Ellen Pipes, and I, I did not remember it. Um, so I looked at her setting. She has it set as being very slow, uh, like set down at 80 beats per minute, which seemed way too slow. Um, and then, but kind of listening around a bit online, it seems like it's a starter tune for a lot of people. Play it kind of fast as a march, and it's it's on the session as a march too. So I don't know. We're gonna hear uh, this next clip. I'm gonna play is kind of me doing uh, a couple segments of Heather Clark's setting of the same tune that we opened with, wildly different than how Bunting has it, and uh, quite a bit slower as well. But I don't know. I still liked it. Liked it a lot. Let's check it out. Thank you. 
yeah, good tune. Um, I imagine if you play it as a march, that was incredibly tedious and painful. Uh, listening to somebody else tune on Alien Pipes is like, oh yeah, that's a fast, that's really supposed to be a fast tune. I had one more announcement that I forgot to make before we started going. Um, so first and foremost, uh, please email me, reach out to me. Uh, love to hear from you. Really makes doing this thing feel worthwhile. Um, but then also, uh, take advantage of the website. So every single episode that I post, um, seems like most people are listening still via um, internet browser. That's fine. Um, if you click through to the episode, like where you're listening to it, if you scroll down, there's a list of links, which link you generally to the manuscripts or the pages where these tunes come from. So that can be really helpful um, or interesting if you want to take a crack at these tunes yourselves or just see how poorly I played them. Um, but then the other thing is there is a uh, tune sources tab on the website as well. So if you're already on the website, this is easy as I'll get out. You can just kind of go up to... Um, the top or the kind of the heading and you'll see a tab that says tune collections it's the second one from the left so like right next to the subscribe button and if you click on it at first it might look like nothing happened because the header is so big but if you scroll down there's a huge just list of the tunes that i've been using so um i think it's it's really useful i mean for me i did it because i was linking to these every time and i kept on having to kind of go a roundabout way to do it. Um, they're organized kind of roughly chronologically. Right now I've got all the bunting stuff in order. There's three different bunting books. Um, uh, one published in 1797, the next one in 1809, and the next one in 1840. So um, they kind of break the the chronology chronology of it. But other than that, it's, it's right there. So check that out. I'm hoping that'll be useful if you want to see like O'Farrell or Donald McDonald, Angus McKay, all those things are here for you to use. Um, but like I said, each episode has um, individual links as well to those tunes, if I can find them. Um, sometimes I have a hard time finding links for O'Farrell tunes if they come from the third or fourth volume, because I only have... Um, I, I have that in print. I have Pat Skye's uh, reprinting of it, which is awesome. Um, and I haven't really found a good uh, volume three and four place online to be able to link to. Um, anyway, so yeah, take it, take advantage of that. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with, uh, kind of why I wanted to do a bunting episode with Bonnie Portmore. Um, that's the art for this episode too, is kind of me playing on the giant mulberry tree that demolished my backyard, um, and ruined my porch. But, uh, anyway, it's a good tune. It's, uh, I think I had a disdain for it because Lorena McKennett did it. And sometimes, I, you know, Lorena McKennett's great, but I just got a little... A little too much new agey stuff for me, maybe. Like, I couldn't handle it. So maybe that's why I <laughs> didn't like the tune, as I heard it by Lorena McKennett. Might have been one of those things where I listened to too much Lorena McKennett when I was real young. Um, but, obviously, gifted gifted singer. Um, anyway, so here's Bonnie Portmore. Like I said, it's a tune kind of lamenting the loss of oak trees in Ireland. Specifically, one big oak that was destroyed in a storm, fitting enough. Um is kind of the impetus for the destruction of that oak tree is the motivation for the whole complaint about the lack of oak trees in Ireland. Um, I should say this setting, so I'm, I'm playing through once kind of as Bunting did it or as the Bemidji Chorale did it. Um, and then I just went through again, playing it at a, a different key because it sounds, it's much better if you can drop down to those low notes, um, I think anyway. Here you go, enjoy.
So yeah, another cool tune. So one of the things that's uh, neat about the later uh, Bunting volumes is that he lists his sources. Um, he sort of lists his sources in that first volume too, but it's uh, the 1841, it's all laid out on a table, which is very easy for me to follow along. Um, and I forgot to mention it. So the first tune we heard, uh, the Chanter tune, uh, he says it's from E. Shannon Esquire, and he recorded in 1839, so right before the 1840 volume came out. Um, but Bonnie Portmore, uh, he attributes to Glenoak, or to uh, to Black, comma, Harper at Glenoak in 1796. So, older tune. Um, it's kind of neat. I, I had forgotten this. I was sending email, had another kind of glorious email exchange with Simon Chadwick about tunes. Um, and about using another, you know, using one of his tracks again on the podcast. And he drew my attention to the fact that uh, in that 1840 volume, Bunting lists of sources, which is super great. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on to Have You Seen My Valentine? Uh, I think to start to start it, so Have You Seen My Valentine uh, is in the first volume, so that means that it's a harpist that Bunting recorded at the Belfast Harp Meeting. Um, so 1790s tune, certainly older though. Uh, and like I said, it reminded me, I think one of the reasons I was attracted to it, just kind of first sight reading through that first volume of, um, Buntings, is it reminded me of a tune that was familiar to me, but I, I couldn't really place it. And so I posted on Facebook and Frank, uh, a Facebook friend of mine, who's a, just an amazing whistle and flute player with a band local here in Iowa City. God, when there's live music again, um, maybe I'll do field recordings or something. Um, but Frank pointed out, like, yeah, the tune is Summertime, Summertime, which, uh, as Frank points out, was made kind of popular by the Chieftains. Uh, looking around through it, uh, yeah, so that's the tune, Summertime, Summertime. It also goes by Hoover Monfain. Uh, and, of course, uh, it's old as hell, and there is a James Oswald setting for it that is very old. But uh, I'm just going to play a quick little... The, the low whistle version I played trying to figure out what the tune was called um, and then we'll listen to Hear My Valentine and you can hear those similar tune phrasings or note, fra- note couplings is that how you'd say that? I don't know actually what we'll do is start with Simon Chadwick's take on uh, Have You Seen My Valentine? Um, and just if you didn't listen to the last episode that had the Simon Chadwick piece on, uh, Simon is going through and replaying the dots. So Edward Bunting, you know, is tasked with recording all of these last Gaelic Harpers, um, and, and eventually he published several books based on this time he spent with various Irish musicians. And it is clear that when it made to like book publishing time, uh, no longer was Bunting copying harp music and performances. He was writing it for piano. So, and kind of making adjustments so it would look musically more like popular piano music at the time. Um, and so what Simon is doing uh, is taking Bunting's live notes and playing his interpretation of those live notes on actual wire-strung harps. So here is Simon Chadwick doing the live notes or the live dots recording, uh, uh, his recording, his interpretation of Edward Bunting's transcription of that tune. So here we go.
Mm, lovely. Thank you, Simon. All right, and here is my interpretation of um, the same tune. And I'd say this is more based off of Bunting's published version, although I had listened to Simon play it about a dozen times before uh, this recording. So clearly that is influencing me as well. But uh, here we go. This is it on Ellen Pipes. some cool stuff in there um definitely different i don't know errors errors are always tricky for me to figure out i um i'm really glad i finally participated in one of these kind of zoom uh ellen pipe meetings that the southern uh southern california ellen pipers club have been doing and kind of watched a hour and a half uh, almost two hour long concert with blackie o'connell it was amazing and uh he talked about airs and made me feel like I should think about them differently. Um, either way, they intimidate me and they're tricky for me to get a handle on. Um, and they're often, they often strike me as being beautiful, but I have a hard time finding like a music, musical follow through of it. Which is one of those things I, I assumed that it was a that it was the kind of thing that speaking Gaelic would do better. I know I've seen people say that you need to understand Gaelic singing to understand airs, but I kind of wonder about if the harp is more important to that or maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, kind of interesting tune and old 
and that's what this is all about is old bagpipe tunes <laughs> so here you go um thankfully so simon pointed out that you know you can see who bunting sources are in that 1840 volume and i just i kind of looked through it and there's a piper source and a lot of bunting settings don't make a heck of a lot of sense to me on ellen pipes um especially not how like those tunes are played now if they're the same tunes or same names um and so chorus jig I saw on there, which, you know, I, I have an O'Farrell setting of, um, but chorus, the chorus jig from O'Farrell is actually a jig. The chorus jig in bunting seems to be a reel, um, but his source for that is a piper named McDonnell, and, and bunting says that he recorded it in 1797. Uh, and that's a cool tune. So here is the chorus jig which, like I said, I think is a reel, technically. And there's a heck of a lot of chorus jigs, so I kind of had a hard I had a hard time tracking down um, sort of any other connections to this tune on Tune Archive. I found a whole different chorus jig that's also a reel. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how old this tune is or, or where it goes, but I've, I do have some thoughts on it. So here is our last bunting tune, the chorus jig, which he supposedly transcribed off of uh, listening to a piper named McDonald play it. mention uh one of the perks of seeing blackie o'connell speak for almost two hours was i realized uh that i've been sitting wrong this entire time and now i can reach all my regulators uh so i feel like i am at the big at the bottom of a plat of bottom of a hill i'm at the bottom of a hill but i know how to walk up the hill now which is good um but it does mean that i'm going to be playing regulators a lot more and uh need to yeah, I don't know what that's going to actually translate to, but uh, it's been, it's fascinating. Just adjusting my bag posture a little bit, all of a sudden I could hit every single key, no problem. And I thought I had practiced that, like adjusted my seating so that I could reach things, but apparently I never did uh, quite enough anyway. But 
But yeah, it was just really helpful. He kind of chastised because you know it's a Southern California Pipers Club, so there's a lot of us from the states, and I don't I don't know if Blackie meant to do this or if this is what he was saying, but I I got the sense that he thought that all American pipers sat stupid, like didn't know how to sit properly with the instrument, and uh, once you sit and right, holy buckets, those regulators are less of a mystery. Um, so yeah, one of the perks of this microphone setup is I wanted to have two microphones going, so this one mic that I'm talking into now, and then my old microphone, I wanted to just kind of put by the drones, because I always felt like I lost the drone sound in the recordings, but um, by doing that, of course, that's right on top of the regulators, so I don't know, my bass regulator is already quite a bit louder than my chanter, or can be com competing with it, so like I said, we're going to be figuring out some, some things. Okay, anyway, back to that tune, the chorus jig. Um, I don't know, I was trying to like do a quick search through Bunting to figure out any more information about this McDonnell Piper. Didn't find anything. But one thing that struck me about this tune is it really sounds like a border pipe tune to me. Like, that style of playing. If you're familiar with border piping music or Northumbrian music, it does a lot of these arpeggios. Kind of the same thing that I've been, you know, commenting on about James Oswald, where there's all these up and down things. Um... And so I just wanted to play a border pipe tune. Don't have border pipes in my small pipes I tried to fix today. They are definitely broken. Um, and so I'm just playing a border pipe tune out of William Dixon's manuscript that uh, Matt Seattle put together years ago. As I was uh, kind of waiting for the ferry in Olapool, there's this lovely coffee shop and kind of music venue and bookstore right there in Olapool. And... Uh, I've been looking at Matt Seattle's books for years, but never bought any because I just felt like, okay, I don't have border pipes. I really shouldn't get border pipes, so do I really need to do this? Um, but looking through it, there were some cool tunes in there, and so I picked it up, and um, it's a good tune. It's a good good collection of tunes, and I knew we were heading out to Lewis for uh, kind of a long like four days or so and we weren't going to have internet or electricity and I was like you know I better take a tune book with me and since I saw these things uh, for sale I picked it up and then hopped on the ferry and crossed over the Minch and hung out in Lewis with a peat fired or peat heated um, shepherd's hut for a couple of days it was awesome uh, anyway so I just kind of looked through I, I opened up William Dixon's collection and it opened to Jack Latin and it immediately, you know, it did everything I wanted to do to, like, demonstrate what border pipe tunes are. Um, and so I'm going to play it on Highland Pipes. Uh, of course, looking at it, um, you know, there's a long history and there's many, many different versions of Jack Latin and all kinds of different settings. So there's that. <laughs> so there could be a whole episode on... Jack Layton or Jack Latin. Um, this is a bagpipe, a border pipe repertoire pricked down by William Dixon in 1733, as Matt Seattle calls it. So, you know, it's Seattle. Is it Seattle? I've always pronounced it Seattle, and I was sort of surprised to realize that he wasn't from the States. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, Matt, if it's Matt Seattle, I'm sorry. Uh, so here he is uh, Jack Layton. Or Jack Latin. Oh, cool tune anyway. Not on border pipes. If somebody wants to give me border pipes or small pipes, I'd totally accept it. Because uh, I feel like I can't spend $1,000 on a new instrument right now, but I'm really frustrated with not having a small pipe or a bellows blown kind of Scottish fingering instrument. Anyway, here's Jack Latin.
I really like those tunes. They're all kind of the same way, but hopefully you can hear it as talking about how I, I feel like Chorus Jig uh, from Bunting has some similarities with a lot of Border Pipe and tunes. Border Pipe music's awesome. It's way more challenging uh, in some ways. Like, there's not a lot of gracing. There's just all these really fast fingerings, and uh, I got kind of obsessed with playing around with closed fingerings. Especially on small pipes, it's really rewarding to do a closed fingering. You get this kind of bubbly, poppity sound like you get on Northumbrian pipes. Highland pipes, it's a little weird to do that with. But border pipes have a conical board channer too, so I don't think border pipes are closed fingered either, but I, I could be wrong. Anyway, cool stuff. Um, man, if I ever had an excuse to do a short episode, this would have been the week. Didn't have power for uh, or the internet for a good chunk of it, but... Uh, I guess we're still going to push it and do these last two tunes that I had planned on doing. Um, so I was afraid that I wasn't going to have enough Highland piping, and so I decided to just kind of look through Donald McDonald and find a tune, and I found um, The Weary Maid, and then looked on Tune Archive and found out that, you know, it's it's the relationship between German Castle and uh, The Weary Maid is, is pretty clear. They're, they've got some relationships there. So I'm going to play Drummond Castle first. This is Neil Gow's setting uh, from the 1790s, I think, is when it was first published by Gow, but it's it, it, there's older settings of it into the 1760s and, and earlier than that even. So it's a tune that I'm sure pushes back uh, into quite old, kind of early 18th century origins. So here is Neil Gow's setting for Drummond Castle. <laughs> So definitely a tune that is recognizable. Um, yeah, so send me an email uh, or you know, get in touch somehow. I'm kind of curious if you can hear sound quality improvement or if this is worse. Kind of the tracks are, are hit or miss. Like that track definitely had more buzz eatings to it, but most of the piping stuff has been okay. Um, like I said, learning a curve with this new microphone and school is about to start up, so I don't know how fast that curve is going to be. Um, but we'll see. I guess that's okay to do a long one, since I'm not quite sure what the future is going to hold once the semester starts. I'm still hoping to do a podcast every week. Might have to switch to every other week. Um, but uh, if not, 20 episodes. Oh, wow. That's, that's definitely habit-forming at this point. Uh, the idea of not doing the show uh, is sort of scary. So I'm really hoping to keep this up. Um, so if you like the show, let me know you like it. Send me an email or leave a review on, on iTunes to drown out the people that complain about my endless SJW rants. Like, I, I just don't get how that... Like, I get that that's weaponized against uh, progressive folks as, like, ah, you're just social justice warriors, as if social justice is a bad thing. Like, ugh, what a weird world or country, anyway. Um, yeah, leave a review. Love to hear uh, if you like the show. Um... And yeah, we'll listen. We'll, I'll, I'll be playing music for you again next week. So, uh, cheers, everybody. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but uh, yeah, thanks to Simon Chadwick for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening all the way out here. Uh, oh, that's what I was forgetting. That live stream did happen. Uh, I announced it uh, last episode and had a little mini episode. It was cool doing that mini episode. I didn't share the mini episode anywhere. And I have a lot of subscribers. It's pretty great. There's like at least 50, 50 subscribers at this point. Um, so about half as many people, or maybe a quarter as many people that listen to the podcast are subscribed. So that's that's great. Thanks. Thank you to all you subscribers out there for subscribing. Like I said, if I could get up to about 100 subscribers, I would quit uh, hawking this podcast all over every bagpipe group on Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and Bob Dunsire. But... Um, Anyway, let's go out with Donald McDonald's uh, 1828 tune, uh, kind of similar setting to Drummond Castle. Uh, this one 
is The Weary Maid. Hope you enjoy it. See you next week. goodness i forgot okay so the live stream happened and then i got distracted um yeah it happened and you can watch it over on the facebook page that's all i was going to say uh it's up there as a video you can watch it i kind of doubt the audio quality is going to be good enough to upload as a podcast episode because there's going to be so much editing to do to change the sound levels um, between piping and speaking so uh, go give it a listen if you want if you leave a comment on it i'll respond to the comments as they come in if you have questions about things so cheers thanks for listening and we're going out on me speaking rather than music it feels unorthodox i'll hum a note uh...